0: Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 7th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Um, We're in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 7. And what we're looking at, what we have been looking at, are the steps taken to live in the spirit of god how we are to walk by god's spirit to be filled by for the all these uh, little clichés that we use it speaks of the same truth in a christian's life that we're being obedient to god and and jesus has given us the basic process of how that works and so um, and this is this is really the first truth that jesus teaches his disciples is about how to walk by the spirit and as we've been going through uh, chapter 5, uh, we saw in the third verse that first attitude that must exist in a child of God's life. And because without this, without that, this first attitude of godly humility, we cannot live in the Spirit of God. And, and so we have, to have, we have to be one that is poor in spirit. And, and, and again, that is a godly humility. We can humble ourselves to a point and it'll only go so far until the Lord says, All right, let me show you that, that you, you haven't gone where I want you to go. And He'll, he'll put a situation that we won't be humble in. And, and He does it to show us. Because the humility we need must come from the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And so when that happens, then the Holy Spirit that is in and through us can, can accomplish the Father's plan and the Father's work around us. That was the first attitude in verse three. In verse four, we see the second attitude, and that was one who was able to mourn over their sin. Now, obviously, if we don't have godly humility, we won't have this godly sorrow, being able to mourn over our sin, because we're not going to recognize our sin as, as being a problem. We're going to justify things. And so, we have to learn to confess before God the right and wrongs that we have done, and to others. And that, that that's important for us to understand that. Uh, to mourn over our sin, to have that godly sorrow that it helps us to reconcile others. And see, that's the whole plan that we're gonna look at here through the whole Beatitude situation is it being able to reconcile people to God, helping our church to reconcile between brothers and sisters in Christ. And this this is the process that's being laid down here. And so we we need to have that godly sorrow and be able to show God's forgiveness in our lives and how God has lifted us up out of our situations. Now the third attitude in verse five we looked at reveals the hidden man of the heart and it's that godly meekness where Christ is glorified. We find out it's not about me you know, and my family, it was always about Chad. You know, I was, I was just kind of a saying thing. And But no, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about Christ, what he has done. And that's where meekness comes in. You see, the world can't understand the truth of those living by the Spirit of God. And for many, this leads them to Jesus, or it will lead them far away from Jesus because they don't want anything to do with it. Folks, That's what the Bible says is going to happen. It's either going to draw people to Christ or push them away. But folks, that's their choice. We need to be faithful in what we're doing. And in those first three things we looked at, that godly humility, that godly sorrow, and that godly meekness, that really speaks about our spiritual poverty as Christians, folks. We must have that spiritual poverty in our lives. Otherwise... People see us. They don't see Jesus. And so that's what God blesses. Yet too often we lack that spiritual poverty. I know I lack that spiritual poverty. Things come up every day, every day and I I fail in one of these areas. And so we need that spiritual poverty. And so... The next verse, verse, verse 6 that we talked about last Sunday, that begins the, the, the next segment. You, have, you had your spiritual poverty, but now we're going to be looking at our spiritual passion. Our spiritual passion. And again, this is something that the Holy Spirit does within us. So in verses 6 through 8, we see that spiritual passion. And it, it identifies, these things are going to identify with us how well we're doing or how poorly we're doing. And the first one we saw last week, that's this, that, that fourth attitude in verse 6, is do we have that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do we have, what, what is our worldview? Is it a biblical worldview that we're looking for all things that Christ is doing? Circumstances are taking place because God is working through those circumstances? Or do we see things that happen because, oh, I got like bad luck, or, oh, I got this, I got that. We, we see things from a worldview instead of a biblical viewpoint, getting God's perspective in our lives. And one of of those first passions of a child of God is that hunger and thirst for righteousness. We can't get enough of God's word. We can't get enough of of being around God's people. And I know sometimes, like any family, there's problems. There's going to be disruptions. There's going to be situations that come up. But if we're walking by the Spirit of God, our focus is not gonna be on all the problems. It's gonna be on Jesus, and he'll show us how to walk through those problems as a a body of Christ. Now, before I get to verse seven here, there's that one word that's in front of each and every one of these beatitudes, and what word is that? Blessed. Blessed, okay, blessed. That's makarios, and there's many forms of this one word. And again, it refers to that one who possesses the favor of God. Well, if you have the spiritual poverty, the spiritual passion, then you're possessing the favor of God. That's what he's doing here. It means that we are walking and living in the spirit of God, which results in being fully satisfied with where you are. Regardless whether you're rich or poor, good health, bad health, poor circumstances, Good circumstances. It doesn't make any difference because you're walking in the Spirit of God. And you're satisfied. Paul could be beaten. And yet he can live in, live, live, live in good health. And he was content. See, are we content with wherever we're at? Because we're walking by the Spirit of God. One who is able to do that, it shows they are blessed of God. They're receiving that. And God, through His Holy Spirit, is able to work out His plan In and through us, and that's the whole point we see here. So, before we go in verse 7, let's have, have a word of prayer. Lord God, we come before you, and Father, as we look at your word today, we look at mercy. Father, help us to understand our responsibility because of the example that you have given us about your mercy. We need to demonstrate your mercy in our lives and through our lives. So, Lord God, may you just lead us this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, verse 7, in our spiritual passion, it's revealed by the mercy we demonstrate to those in need or the lack of mercy is shown. We're either doing godly things, godly mercy, or we're not, folks. There is no middle ground. You're either walking in the Spirit of God or you are walking in the, in the flesh. Folks, again, there's no gray, gray ground. And too many Christians, well, this is okay. No, it's not. Sin is sin. It makes no difference. And if you're not walking according to the spiritual poverty and spiritual passion that we've been talking about, folks, you're walking in sin. You're walking in the flesh. No middle ground, and we as a church have to understand this. And so, in verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay? Now, the first thing we got to look at is merciful. Being merciful involves our thoughts. Now, we can all think the merciful thoughts, can't we? Oh, I wish better for this person. Oh, I wish this. You know, we can all think those kind of good, merciful thoughts. But it also is our actions. Our thoughts and our actions should invoke within us a pity for a situation, a person, whatever whatever we're involved in. We should have that pity. Okay? It's important that it happens. See, here's another way of putting it. Mercy... When given to me, how many of us like mercy when it's given to us? Yeah, we, we like that. So mercy when given to me means I don't get what I deserve. All right? We all like that. Now, mercy when I give it to someone else means they don't get what they deserve. And how many of us like doing that? It's a lot harder to give mercy than to receive mercy. And this is what Jesus here is teaching his disciples. Yes, we all want to receive mercy, but we need to give out mercy, if not more than we receive it. And that's what's being taught here. See, God's mercy toward us keeps us from receiving his justice. I thank God, God gave us his mercy. I have received God's mercy. Because when I sinned, he could have just, you sinned, you're done, gone. But he didn't do that. Why? His mercy. He is showing us his mercy. And so, that's important. We want to receive God's mercy instead of his justice. Now, we have to understand here, that mercy is the first step, the first step, if there is to be any reconciliation between people. Between us and God, mercy had to come. God had to give his mercy. If there needs to be reconciliation between one brother and sister in Christ and another one, mercy has to come forward. And we got to follow the example that our God gave to us, Right? First step is, the one who, is, who has been wronged, they got to give the mercy to the one that did the wrong. Wow, what a concept, right? But that's the truth. That's the truth. See, that first step for reconciliation is the one that was wronged gives mercy The second step now is the one that committed the wrong must repent of their wrong with no justification. Well, yes, Jeremy, I wronged you, and I was absolutely wrong. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have done this. Did I give mercy? No, I didn't. Okay? And that's the way so often we look at our situations. I will do this, but you did that. Now, you got to recognize what you did over there. We're not giving mercy, okay? We're trying to justify ourselves, and we can't do that. You see, when, when I give mercy to someone, period, if they don't want to repent of what they did, that's on them, but I've given mercy. And if someone gives me mercy... And maybe they had the wrong attitude, whatever, but they're giving me mercy. It is my obligation, a commandment from Christ, that I repent and receive with no justification. Okay? See, that's dealing with things in the Spirit of God. Everyone is accountable for their own actions. I'm not accountable for your actions. You're not accountable for mine. I'm accountable for mine. And if I'm 99% wrong, I have to admit 99% wrong. If I'm 1% wrong, I have to admit 1% wrong, regardless of what the other people do. Okay? But here's the truth. Failing to repent results in mercy being taken away. Now, we're going to hit that a whole lot harder in chapter 7 when we get there, but we'll, we'll cover that a little more as we look at, for they shall obtain mercy, that part of it. Okay? So let's look at some scripture references here. Hebrews 2.17. This is Jesus, talking about Jesus here. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him, him is Jesus, To be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make, wow, there's that word, reconciliation for the sins of the people. So, for our benefit, Jesus became like us, right? Only one thing. He did so without sinning, okay? Without sinning. There's, there, there's a theology out there that says, that you can't, in a kind of way, i got to build my testimony, right? Well, if I'm going to witness to my friends, then I need to go to the bars. I need to go do what they're doing. And I would say, okay, great. Do it without sinning. And if you can do that, praise the Lord. Because I tell you what's going to happen. They're going to say, we don't want you to come anymore. You're, 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 you're a real drag. <laughs> okay? got to do it without sinning. Don't compromise the Word of God. Don't compromise your lives. Jesus became like us, but without sinning. Okay? Now, many times, to understand what someone is going through, we need to kind of step into their, into their circumstances. We need, we need to walk a mile with them. We've heard those, those, those cliches there. But again, we do so without compromising the Word of God, without sinning. And so if you know you can't go into the bar and talk and and, and honor Christ, what you're doing, then don't do it. We need to recognize our our weaknesses and not allow those things to take place. Um, And so Jesus here is telling his disciples that they need to show the same mercy to those around them that God has shown toward them. Now, they're not going to understand what Jesus is talking about here, in fact, a lot of this is they're here going, yeah, yes, Lord, yeah, we got it. And then the Lord was right away, he's going to rebuke them for this and rebuke them for that and shows that they don't really understand. And they're not truly going to understand this until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Then all these things, oh, make sense now. One, because they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And so they won't come to understand this after his resurrection. And so we have to ask this question. What keeps us from being merciful? Now, yes, if, if we're not have, we do not have that godly humility, that godly sorrow, that godly meekness, if we don't have that hunger and thirst righteousness, you bet, we're not going to be very merciful. But even as Christians who are striving to do these things, striving to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through them, these things, what keeps us from being merciful? Think about it in your life. See, what helps mercy? What helps us to be merciful? That might be another way of putting it. You know, think about being gracious to somebody, right? Showing grace. Um, being compassionate toward a situation. Okay, those are, those are positive things that we need to do. So what tends to be the opposite of those things? And don't say not being gracious and not being compassionate. I think many times is anger. Anger. Our own anger. See, Jesus was able to be angry but without sin. You know what? I honestly can't think of a time in my life when my anger was without sin. Because I'm a human being. And so we need to control our anger. The Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious. There's a good thing. Slow to anger. Even God himself is slow to anger. To anger and plenteous mercy. Psalm 145, verse 8: The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. I think anger, allowing our emotions to rule the situation. Now, God made us with emotions, and they are, ble- they are a blessing if they're being controlled by the Spirit of God. They are a curse if we are controlling our emotions. Nothing wrong with having emotions, okay? It's what we do because we're emotional that we got to be careful about. And when someone has wronged us and it's our job, with the, someone has wronged us, our responsibility is to give them Mercy. Okay? To give them mercy. That's important. But we're not going to do it because they wronged us. We're angry at them. Are we? We're not going to do it. And I'm going to. This is, this is, this is, I, I, I know over in that corner over there where my, where my wife is sitting, Kathy is sitting, she's going to shake her head. Yes. A lot of times. When I get upset, I get I get quiet, and I can go days without saying anything, and I'm 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 happy with that. That's who I am, and so I know she if she if I've done something she gets mad at me. Okay, I can be very stubborn that way. When what should I do? I should go and find out what's going on. What did I do wrong? But in my stubbornness, I don't do that. And what does that do? It pushes us apart. pushes us apart. You see, we need to allow God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, to produce this mercy that we give to those around us. They don't have to deserve it, folks. Because we didn't deserve God's mercy. But too often we think they need to deserve it. But that's a lie of Satan. And that goes into the second half of this verse. The blessing of being merciful is, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, mercy here and mercy in the first part of the verse... It's the same word, but a different tense on that word, which in a way changes the meaning. See, this mercy is not merely a feeling for the misfortunes, having that pity, that sympathy for someone, but with this form of this word, it is also an active desire to remove those miseries, those things that are causing hardship to that person. think about that. Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry for what you're going through and, and I'm going to pray for you and uh, uh, God be with you. Nothing wrong with that as long as the Lord hasn't prompted you to do something more, to, to relieve that misery if we can by our mercy. You know, this morning, and I usually don't, do this a lot because I like egg and muffin sandwiches you know but I went to breakfast this morning there was a guy out there and I I got got one bought one free and as I was driving away kind of you need to give that guy one then I only get one (laughs) alright but I gave him one okay I usually don't give money I hardly ever give money but I don't mind giving food but we just gotta respond as God. I have no idea what's gonna happen with that. I said I said, God loves you, and here you go. And... But we need, we need that mercy. We need that mercy in our lives. We need to understand that, that mercy is gonna compel us, drive us to remove what's causing hurt to other people. If we can. That's what it does. God's mercy did that by him sending his son saying, you're sinners, you're going to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going to hell. Uh, But sorry, nothing I can do about it. I'm glad God didn't do that. God said, no. Son, we have a plan. And it's been from from the beginning. We knew before we created the angels, created the earth, this is what's going to happen. So we need to fulfill it. And they sent Jesus for our benefit. One one, one passage of Scripture, and we'll close, and it's kind of lengthy, but I'm just going to kind of read through it. Matthew 18, 23-35 talks about mercy. Talks about everything we've said here. And I want you to put your place in the place of one of these servants that are being talked about here. Hopefully, God's heart speaks to us. It says, therefore, in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus did one of the parables, likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. More money than he would ever make in a lifetime. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to hold, to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had, and payment be made. Now, you know what that was? This king, that was called justice. This guy was given a charge. For whatever reason, he was found wanting justice. Okay? Nothing wrong with justice. In fact, we all want justice when we're the, when, when, when we're the recipient of good justice. Verse 26, now the servant The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have mercy with me, and I will pay thee all. There you have repentance. Now we're going to find out this is kind of maybe a false repentance. But you have repentance. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Now here's 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 the key word. He was moved with compassion. He wasn't angered. Too often we get angry, don't we? And it keeps us from showing mercy. And so he loosed him and forgave him the debt. There's mercy right there. There's mercy. Do you notice when mercy comes? After repentance. Remember that. Mercy comes after repentance. God, Jesus shed his blood. His blood saves every human being. Man, woman, boy, girl can be saved. After they repent of their sin, then their mercy can be applied. Remember that. But the same servant went out. Now here's this servant. And found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. That's like maybe a hundred bucks. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. Well, took him by the throat. You think this guy was angry? (laughs) I think so. He's a little angry there saying, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have mercy with me and I'll pay thee all. Now, there's repentance. But I think that's, gen- that's some genuine repentance there. And so what should this ser- servant have done? Showed mercy, right? Unfortunately, no. Verse 30, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, that, now let me tell you, that's justice. Justice is fine. Nothing wrong with that justice. Okay? What does the Bible talk about, though? How you judge someone, how it's going to be judged to you? When there's genuine repentance, we are commanded by God to show mercy. Got to understand that. I'm pushing down too hard here. (laughs) All right. And so when the fellow servants saw what was done, They were very sorry, and came and told their Lord all the things done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because you desired me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion? See, he had anger on thy fellow servant, even as I had, and here's that word pity for on thee, And what happened? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. No repentance, no mercy, you receive justice. This is what mercy, the truth about mercy in a a Christian's life is very plain. We need to give mercy to people that wrong us. It's up to them to repent and make sure things are done right. They fail to repent. We can withdraw our mercy. Doesn't mean we go do all kinds of things against them. No, we just withdraw our mercy and let justice take its toll. And who is the one that brings justice? Not you and me. Jesus is. Those who harm his children, he avenges his mind, says the Lord. Okay? Mercy is is a big area in the church. And then verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you... If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. We, if someone has hurt us, has wronged us, we have to show them mercy and give them an opportunity to repent. It's their job to repent, but we've shown mercy. And if they refuse to repent, we can withdraw our mercy and let God's justice come in hoping that one day they will come back. And remember what you did? I, I, I was wrong, and they repent? Great. Show mercy again. But folks, this is what I think hinders so much in the church today, is we don't demonstrate the mercy of God in our own lives like we should. You see, living in mercy will diffuse situations before they can become destructive within the church, within a family, within within friendships. And so we have to stop thinking the worst of people and show mercy. You don't know. Maybe they they weren't even aware of what they did. But you won't know that unless you show mercy to them. We have to stop thinking the worst. We need to ensure we are walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And we do that by Are we demonstrating mercy? Are we giving mercy? And yes, they're not going to deserve it. When you give me mercy, it's not because I deserve it. I don't deserve it. But it gives me the opportunity to repent of the wrong I did. Because one thing you're going to tell me when you you give mercy, you're going to tell me, this is what you did. Oh, sometimes, yeah, I know what I did. and I did it on purpose. And you're right, I'm wrong. I need to repent, or I didn't know. But see, you won't know that until you show mercy. Then repentance is up to them. This is what God did for us. He showed mercy to the whole world by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for us, to shed his blood, to be raised again. And that gift of salvation is for every man, woman, boy, and girl ever born. but only if they repent of their sin. they fail to repent, then they will receive God's justice and they'll end up in the lake of fire. Folks, we need to be on mercy's end, mercy's side, not justice's side. Because between two Christians, we'll face God's condemnation. His, his, he is the one that gives vengeance, not us. So I pray that when you look at this spiritual passion that we have, that mercy is always present in your life. You're willing to give it. You're willing to give it. Because that's what God's Word says we're to do. let standing stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.